Hi everyone, Fraser here. Now we're gonna continue our Meet the Team series on Universe Today and just a way for you to get a sense that there's actually a giant team behind me working here on Universe Today. It's not just me, I am just one among many people. And this week, we're gonna to talk to Nancy Atkinson, who is our senior editor, one of the longest contributors to Universe Today, and has been just an absolute amazing science reporter and has taught me a ton of stuff about how to, to write and report on space and astronomy news. So if you want more information about how we work, how Nancy became a journalist, how she approaches stories, and what her philosophy is about space and astronomy, you're definitely gonna wanna check this out. Here's the interview. Hey everyone, as you know, I am in the process of interviewing the team behind the scenes so that you can uh, you can understand all of the people that you're supporting with your Patreon support of, of University Today. It's not just me, there are many people around the world in many different exotic countries, including the United States of America. And today I'm joined by our senior editor, Nancy Atkinson. Hey Nancy, how's it going? Really good. Great to talk with you, Fraser. Yeah. Uh, so... How long have you been with Universe Today now? Since 2004. Four. Yes. So that's 18 years? No. Yeah. Yeah. 18 wow. years. Wow. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've only been doing this for 23 years. So, yes, so like exactly. you kind of joined on around five years, the five-year mark. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. That's crazy. So how did you get into this in the first place? Well, kind of a long story. So I... I, uh, when I went to college, I thought I wanted to be a writer, so I majored in English with an emphasis in mass communications, And but I really couldn't find my niche of what I wanted to write about, and so the only other thing, I mean, I didn't really want to know what I wanted to do with my English major. All I knew was that I did not want to be a teacher, and of course, I became a teacher, <laughs> uh, but I taught at a really cool place, the Science Museum of Minnesota. And uh, I had the chance to do a lot of space things. I'd always had this kind of background love of space exploration. I, uh, I was really young when the Apollo program was going on, but uh, it, I remember watching it with my family and just being kind of just in awe and just, uh, you know, it's something that stuck with me uh, my entire life, my interest in space exploration. So when I got the job at this at the science museum, they had access to a one third in actual size inflatable space shuttle. All right, and they needed somebody to develop a program for it. And so I ended up taking it to schools. I would spend a week at a school, and we'd do all sorts of hands on, uh, sciencey things, space things. And then on Friday, we would set up the the big space shuttle in the in the school gym. And the kids got to wear spacesuits, and we'd go in and do all sorts of fun things in there. And uh, one of the things that I uh, did during the week was I sent home a list with the kids to have parents help them look for the International Space Station. And so many times, and the parents were invited to come in at the end of the day on Friday and see the space shuttle and see their kids in the spacesuits. And so many times parents would say to me, that is that was so cool to see the space station. I didn't even know we had a space station. 
And so I thought, well, how could I get the word out about all the really amazing things going on in space exploration? And uh, I started doing some writing. I, uh, you know, the this was around 1999, 2000. Internet was just kind of getting going. I had the chance to write a couple articles for a very young space.com and uh, wrote some articles for kind of the local newspaper. I was in the Minneapolis area at the time, and one of uh, one of the astronauts on this on the Hubble repair mission was from Minnesota. So I got to interview him and write about him. And uh, and then we moved to Illinois, and there was no science museum, but I kept writing. And uh, in sometime in 2004, I saw a little note that you had written on Universe Today that you were looking for writers. And right. I sent you an email, and you gave me the p- most plum article assignment in the world, I thought. I got to interview former astronaut Jeffrey Hoffman about a, a NIAC proposal. I mean, the NASA Institute yeah. of Advanced Concepts, which yeah. which we love writing about on Universe Today. And I got to write about that. And, uh, and here we are 18 years later, or almost 18 years. Yeah, that's funny. The NIACs are our bread and butter. They really yeah. are. Like every time the the NIAC, the new NIAC awards come out, we kind of fall upon it like a bunch of uh, hyenas and yeah. <laughs> divvy it up it, and, and report on the stories because yeah. it's so neat. And interestingly enough, so Jeffrey Hoffman's proposal was about a magnetic bubble to surround spacecraft so humans could travel across the solar system. And uh, his uh, plan ultimately didn't work out. But I just last month wrote an- another article about a new concept. And I know you you interviewed the PI for that too. And yeah. Uh, yeah. So it was just like history repeating itself there. Someday that, 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 that technology will work out. Yes. I sure hope so. <laughs> so, um, you know, just give people a sense, like how many articles do you think you've written over the, over the 18 years? Well, I kind of have a, uh, a, a goal coming up. Um, I have written 5,000, uh, <laughs> Eight, uh, 5,200 and I really want to get to 6,000 and I don't know what I'm going to do when I get to 6,000, right. but yeah. Um, Aim for 7,000. That's yeah. <laughs> crazy. That's amazing. Yeah. How has that changed your life? I mean, to, to dip into a story 5,000 plus times, what impact has that had on your, on your life? Well, uh, yeah, it's changed my life completely being, a, a journalist, a science journalist. I think about the world completely different than what I did growing up. Um, I get, you know, I get the chance to talk to all these amazing people all around the world, um, astronauts, engineers, scientists. And uh, that's, I mean, it's, it's terrifying in some aspects when you're going to talk to somebody who's kind of famous, but then you realize, okay, I, I can come up with good questions. I can uh, put these people on the spot. I can ask them important things. And uh, you've allowed me my vo- uh, you've allowed for my voice to be heard and my opinions and my uh, views and uh, but yeah just it's it's been really great and I like to think of it as benign neglect <laughs> by you or what by me yeah yeah <laughs> just letting me have free reign yeah right? not, it is yeah exactly it's not it's not like I'm you know like carefully cherishing and making sure that you get a chance to have your voice heard I'm like okay she's got to act together I I'm busy I'll let her just do whatever she wants to do and I'm sure it'll work out fine uh, yeah I think it has worked out fine but no you've been a great mentor though as far as 
you know, guiding as far as what we want to cover, how we want to cover it. And yeah, no, you've been a great mentor just as far as, oh, don't bury the lead. That's the big thing. I think you told me early on, and I tell that to everybody who's written for universe today, don't bury the lead. Yep. I still, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I still have to say it too. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is funny how people will, you know, they want to tell this sort of unfolding story and then end with the big conclusion, but, but that's just not how it works. Like you just, you got to just say what was discovered and let people be able to move on. It's, yeah. It was interesting. I got into a conversation with someone on, on Twitter and I was saying like, you know, my job, my job is to start their journey down the rabbit hole, but not to curate it all the way through. So if they link off to some other thing and then they just keep going and going and they never come back to finish the rest of their article, that's fine, right? We've, we've yeah. started their inquiry. And so it doesn't really matter to me. Um, so like you've written a couple of books as well. How did that work out? What happened? Well, because I wrote for Universe Today, uh, the, the lead publisher for Page Street Publishing, which is a subsidiary of Macmillan, uh, reads Universe Today. He saw my writing and I got an email one day asking me if I'd be interested in writing a book, that they had an idea for a book about NASA's robotic missions to explore the solar system. And, uh, you know, at first I was wondering, okay, is this legit? <laughs> you don't. So, so I'm a horrible example of the struggling author trying to get published because I had somebody reach out to me uh, to write a book. And so, yeah, the first yeah. one, I just happened to bring my books along. Um, uh, first one was Incredible oh, Stories from Space, a behind-the-scenes look at the missions changing our view of the cosmos. So I, what I really love to do in writing is to tell the stories of people who get to do these amazing jobs in space exploration. But I like to focus on the people that you don't normally hear about. So the behind-the-scenes engineers who design or build a mission or build a spacecraft or these the scientists who are working behind the scenes to actually choose the science that's going to happen with the Mars rovers, for example. And so I had the chance to write about uh, nine different missions and I got to go out to JPL and to the Space Science Telescope Institute uh, where Hubble is operated and now JWST and uh, where else did they go? Goddard and uh, did a lot of phone interviews and Got to hear about, you know, what is it like to have this robotic spacecraft that you've so delicately built and put together and then put it on top of an exploding rocket, you know? And how do you, when something goes wrong with your, your spacecraft, how do you fix it from millions of miles away? And they, they really can fix it. It's amazing what they can do with uh, software updates and uh, all those kind of things. So, yeah, it was a, it was a fun book to write. I got to write about... Uh, a lot of different missions and then finished up with some upcoming missions, which one of them was JWST. And uh, so now that's, that's actually happening. That happening. That's pretty exciting. So you're working on a book about JWST? No. Oh, no. okay. All right. That was, that was in the final chapter. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Upcoming missions. Right. So, right, right. Yeah. Um, and you did another book as well about, about the Apollo. Yeah. So after uh, my first bet book, the publisher came back to me and said, hey, we really enjoyed working with you on your first book. Would you like to write another one? And we kind of tossed some ideas back and forth. And I kind of casually mentioned that the uh, 50th anniversary of Apollo 11 was coming up. And they said, wait, what? Okay, that's what you're writing about. So um, I wrote Eight Years to the Moon, um, The History of the Apollo Missions, 
And again, I got to tell the story stories of about uh, 45 people who you probably have never heard about. Wow. Uh, some, some you've probably maybe heard about or, uh, but uh, yeah, the people who, you know, figured out how to do communications to the moon and back and include it, uh, you know, oh, by the way, we're going to do a TV show from the moon as well. How do you, how do you do that? Life support systems for traveling to the moon and back. Nothing like that had ever been done before. Um, just the, the, the little tiny thrusters on the outside of the Apollo spacecraft have a really, really interesting story where they almost blew up uh, Johnson Space Center uh, testing them out. But um, yeah, so many really, really great stories that, uh, you know, many have never been told before. And really uh, what made me feel the best was uh, one of the engineers that I was talking to and interviewing. He said, you know, besides my friends and family, nobody's really ever asked me about my role in Apollo. And he like figured out how to keep the thrusters from exploding, you know? So, um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It really, some really, I, I feel really honored to tell their stories, um, and, and share the kind of background stories of just a small portion of the 400,000 people that, that worked on Apollo. It is interesting. The, the more that I do this, the less interested I am in talking to celebrities and the more interested I am in talking to the people who, who nobody knows their, their story. My, you know, my, my absolute favorite interview is somebody who is just deep in the nuts and bolts of some project that I'm excited about or mission or concept or new discovery. And maybe they've never done an interview before, but they're just a naturally charismatic person. And so they've got stories to tell and, but they haven't practiced them and they haven't, they're not, they're not staying on message and they're not trying to communicate some specific thing. They're just, they're just having a conversation with you. And it's such a pleasure to, to go down that route. And yet all this new information just gets dumped into your brain that you kind of don't even know what to do with. There's so much just gold there. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I've, one thing I quickly learned in uh, writing for universe today was to record all the interviews because there's so many great nuggets and you can't, you know, write things down fast enough when you're interviewing someone and, uh, there's so many things I go back and listen to the interview and of course transcribe much of it. And yeah, so many nuggets in there that you maybe would have missed if you were trying to write it all down. So yeah, that's if any aspiring journalist uh, record your interviews, because there's always a lot in there. Now, one of the problems with modern well, a pile of problems, but, but I think the you know the news agencies like like NASA the space agencies the research institutes they have a very efficient public relations department that pumps out press releases and it, it's very easy to fall into the trap to just being a press release rewriter what do you feel like our role is in 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 bringing this news to people and not necessarily just being a mouthpiece of of public relations officers um, interestingly, I was just thinking about this the other day because it seems like whenever there's a like a new announcement about uh, a newly discovered object with the license plate type name, you know, has been discovered, and I'll I'll go back into our archives and Google it and or search it, and nine times out of ten, we have a previous article about that 
astronomical object that something it's been observed before yep. uh, or it's, it's something that's been observed and now there's questions on it. So I think, I don't know if because I've been around so long that it just seems like history is repeating itself as far as um, objects that get studied and you have to go back in the history and find out what's been uh, discovered or uh, studied about this astronomical object before. And um, yeah, so I really love to, to go back into our archives and find what's, even if it's not the same object, the same type of astronomical object, you know, a, a globular cluster or, or whatever we're talking about, because there's, um, I guess, I don't know if this is the golden age of astronomy or not, but there has been so many uh, discoveries and there's papers out there everywhere on, uh, or not everywhere, but uh, on all sorts of topics that we can go back and, and bring in additional information besides what's just in the press release. Or uh, you can bring in what this scientist has done previously and, and how his past work has helps, you know, uh, inform the current thing that they're studying, for example. So, yeah, I, it's, uh, it's great to have the kind of the history, the not the institutional history, but just kind of the, the memory of all the things that we've written about over the years and being able to bring that into to what's happening now. What do you think is the, I don't know, like the voice of universe today? Because I think you epitomize it better than anyone on the team, perhaps just because you've got the most history with with speaking with the voice. What is our, what do you think our, our role is in, in this endeavor? Well, thank you for that. Um, I kind of like to think that I'm always like saying, wow, isn't this exciting? Wow. Oh my gosh. They've discovered this or we find uh, found out this about that, you know? Yeah. We have a pro um, wow bias. Yes. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Yeah. I think so. But yeah, again, also looking at things over over time and, and having the long view, I guess. But definitely the wow, isn't this exciting thing I, is maybe one of our, our primary things or just just bringing things to light. Um, you know, like the, you know, the magnetic bubble story or any of the NIAC things that that don't get a lot of coverage other in other places. Um yeah, I think we like to write about things that are not only the the, the latest news, which I think we do a, a good job of covering, um, but also the the other things that don't get a lot of coverage. So, um, but but equally exci- as exciting. Yeah. How do you navigate trickier topics, things that are fairly politically charged in nature, or are also in the realm of clickbait? How do you deal with that? Yeah, that's that's a good question because it's 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 a tricky rope to walk on. You're, you want to give the facts, but there are a lot of, you know, political viewpoints or hedges that you just, you don't know how far to go in, how far to go down that rabbit hole. Um, We've done some articles on sexism at NASA and racism and that kind of thing. And that's probably one of the most difficult articles for me to write. You know, it's just difficult to know how to, how to how to approach that. What what are the right stories to tell? But uh, we've also done some articles on you know people who have kind of outlandish ideas and 
Uh, are they really, you know, they're not following the NASA way maybe, or the, I think we've done a good job of balancing what kind of articles to write and how to write them and how to present them and not, I wouldn't say that we're a very uh, opinionated publication. And I just think we do a good job of trying to delve into those kind of touchy top topics. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if, if if part of that is a result of of me being Canadian, that, you know, if the story isn't about Canadian Canada arms and maple syrup, you know, I don't really have a lot of emotional interest in the in the story. Um, right. But I but I do think it is a tricky thing. There are facts that do have to be relayed, but but there can be excessive emotion that goes along with the facts that you that you want to throw in as a person who is involved right. in the in the situation and and in some cases because i do think like like where do you draw that line between being factual and 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 casual because that's you know that that is one of the the guidelines that i try to encourage don't don't bury the lead and also you know right. don't be too formal and and how do you sort of walk that line? Yeah. Um, well, something that just came, popped into my head was uh, in the early days of writing about climate change. I, it, we would get yeah. we would get hundreds of comments on our articles, you know, saying, "Oh, this is this is crazy. You can't write about this. Stick to space." Yeah. And yeah. And thankfully, now it's much better because people are actually seeing that climate change is happening. But we still get a lot of, uh, you know, now the comments have moved to to Facebook and Twitter. And, um, yeah, navigating that as, it, at first it was befuddling to to get those kind of comments yes. On, yes. Uh, on our articles about climate change, which, you know, Earth is a planet and we are on this planet and we study planets. So, uh, yeah. I don't know where I was going with that, but. No, but I know, I know, what, you, I know what you mean. It is. Like I have been taking a more active role in moderating the Facebook page just because it's a cesspool. it's a cesspool of yeah of scum and villainy and <laughs> and and it is the same thing. There is like this baffling, you know. You'll post uh, we'll post some story about some interesting discovery made in a galaxy, and there'll be a bunch of people saying you know rolling their eyes, saying fake CGI and NASA's a bunch of liars and so on and so forth. That there are these giant conspiracy theories that that roll around with adherents who can't help themselves but jump into every single conversation and and you know in retrospect with the climate change stuff you could really see that there was funding behind there somebody was paying these people to bomb our website with negative comments and dismissive comments and to just try and tear apart anyone who who and and you you chase out the the moderate people from from the room and and I, I don't know how you feel about it but i feel this this constant even just like today i was remarking to carla about this just like god it's just like sometimes it's just so hard to be out there on the internet and just go wow here's a cool thing that we saw in space because there is this grinding negative low grade assholery that just goes on and on and on and you're just like oh god 
like it's a helicopter on Mars. Why do I have to feel bad about this today? Yes. Um, does, does, does that wear you down at all? It does because it's yeah. like, we we've done a lot of articles on on conspiracy theories and debunking them and talking to the scientists about remember the the 2012 um, yes we had, oh, poor, poor Ian O'Neill yes just he wrote, was on the yeah he wrote that whole series of absolutely amazing articles and uh, about debunking it and of course you know 2012 happened and nothing nothing happened and uh, so it's. Yeah, it's it's a little bit of a uh, of a grind to have to revisit some of these stories again and again, uh, conspiracy theories and yeah, fake CGI and and um, all that. But um, it, I I too monitor the the Facebook uh, comments every once in a while, and I did notice. I don't know if you did or not, but um, after the Russians' invasion of Ukraine started in and. Russia had less access to the internet, as I understand it. There, the the comments did decrease a little bit. So <laughs> yeah, they did improve quite a bit. That's interesting. Um, again, I, I don't know what the I don't know what the plan is, but it's but it is is interesting. So, what is your advice to people who who are interested in journalism or astronomy and want to potentially make a career as a as a science journalist, I would give them the advice that you gave me and that you've given to a lot of people. If you want to write, write, figure out a way to write. If you've got to start your own website and publish it, if you, you know, just give yourself a deadline, I'm going to do this. I'm going to write, I'm going to write every day. Uh, Cause the only way you're going to be able to, to write or to, yeah, to become a journalist is to write. And uh, so that's, that's the simplest thing. Um, if you get lucky enough to hook up with somebody like Fraser Kane and uh, get the chance to write a lot and uh, and cover all sorts of amazing topics, I mean, it's just it just kind of snowballs once you start writing. If you have the ability, if you have the interest to to write a good article, and if you write a good story, people are going to read it. Uh, it'll and especially on social media today, things get shared. And if you if you write a good article, it's going to get shared. It's going to get read. So just uh, just go out and do it. <laughs> yeah, I think that was the lesson that you brought because you were more active on social media and I was, you know, had no interest at all in participating in social media. I, I may still not have any interest in participating in social media, but I definitely see the the value in making those connections and 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 how things can kind of grow bigger than you thought if you're willing to take the risk and put yourself out there, which is that that first step. Where do you see things going? Where would you like, who would you like to talk to? What stories do you have in you that you would love to tell? Um, well, I still have some stories uh, from the Apollo people that I talked to that I didn't get the chance to include everyone in the book. And I still have some of those in my back pocket that I was thinking maybe for the, the 50th anniversary of Apollo 17 would be a good time to pull those out. So how does that sound? Does that sound sure, okay? Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, you know, you have free reign. <laughs> Nine neglect. So yeah, right. Um, <laughs> you have the, you you have as much control over the publishing button as I do. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, I, I thought that was just our secret, Fraser. <laughs> <laughs> That's all the entire team does. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, stories I'd like to write. Um, boy, I get the chance to write so many neat things. And, and, you know, you come up with great topics that of things that I've never, that I haven't even considered or thought about. So uh, that's another 
piece of advice, have a, a great person coming up with great ideas like Fraser does. Well, that was, it was interesting because in the olden days, yeah, the writers were responsible for coming up with their ideas and they still are. I mean, if you want to, if you come up with an idea for a story and you want to write on it, be my guest. But it is also tough to both be writing and trying to keep your head up looking for, for the breaking news to do both at the same time is, is really tricky. And yes. And I think this was a discovery we made maybe about five years ago. It was just like, the thing that I'm really good at is finding stories. So why don't I just find stories and just, you know, throw them into the pile and let the writers be able to, to grab whatever interests them and to be able to, to work on it. And I think that helps decrease the cognitive load for the, for the writers. Oh yeah, bit. definitely. And plus your, uh, you're a genius at headlines. So uh. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's like, that's like 50% of the job right there. Yeah, exactly. Right the headline. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, Nancy, it's been a pleasure working with you and uh, you know, here's to, I hope 18 more years of, sure, uh, why of not? writing. Sure, why why not? Not? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but, uh, but thanks. And uh, we will, I'm sure talk to you again in the, in the future. Sounds great. Fraser. Thanks so much. Okay. I hope you enjoyed that interview. Now, if you want to support the work we do, help us stay an independent space news publishing service, you may want to join our Patreon. This is a way for you to directly support what we do. But if you join our Patreon, I will remove all the ads for Universe Today for you for life. You get other behind-the-scenes information, no ads on our videos. There's lots of good stuff. So go to patreon.com slash universe today to join up. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed the series. More coming next week.